Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi there. I hope that you're having a good day. I am studying again, once again, on Thou Shalt Not Bear False Witness. We're in month nine of our study, and we are on the ninth commandment. A law both broken and kept at the cross, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Taking our study today from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you want to turn there, does going to court with a brother hurt someone even if the accusation we are leveling on that legal level is true? What does this hurt or who does this hurt? Read 1 Corinthians 6 and make notes here. Would this court case of brother against brother hurt those who are mentioned in verse 6? I just want to talk for a few minutes about reasons not to take one another as Christians to court from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to take these reasons straight from the text. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 6 with me now, that's where we will be. It begins by saying, Dare any of you, having a matter against another or against his neighbor, to go to law before the unjust or the unrighteous and not before the saints? Don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Don't you know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. It says actually that means do you set them to judge who are of no account in the church or according to the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you are going to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? No, you're doing wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Well, I want to just suggest to you that there are uh, at least five reasons here in this passage why we should not take our brethren in the Lord, our family in the Lord, to court. First of all, it tells us in verse 1 that the civil court is not righteous. Well, what does righteous mean? That means it's not composed of people who are accepted with God, who are in a covenant relationship with God. So we're taking matters, when we take our brethren to court, we're taking matters to a judgment. We're rushing matters to a judgment that is administered from the standpoint of people who are not even using the Bible as the standard. Well, that might be okay if you are taking someone who is out there in the world to court because he's not acknowledging the Bible anyway as truth, as guide in ethical dilemmas. But we're supposed to be a family in God who all adhere to this same moral standard of truth. 
So let's take that standard of truth and apply it to our obstruction of justice between us. Some unrighteousness occurring between us, some fault with our brethren. Let's use the standard that all of us are supposed to be faithfully adhering to because we are within a body that recognizes a standard, a law of truth, not recognized by those who are in courts outside of the family of God. So the first reason is that that court is an unjust court, an unrighteous court. Does that mean that the laws of our land, those courts in our land who are determining things all the way from our local level to our Supreme Court, does that mean they make always make unjust decisions? No. Does that mean that because our laws are good and right, and I believe they are for the most part, does that mean that that those laws can't be applied equitably? I believe that they can. But we have a law that's even better than the law that to which our courts subscribe. We have a law that is given from the mouth God breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that can judge, can make righteous judgments in all of our differences in the family of God. We have a better law. We have a truly just and holy law to which we all ascribe. Let's apply that law in our families with the spirit of that law, which is doing unto others as I would have done unto me. And when we do that, our system within the family of God is much superior than that system outside that legal system outside the family of God. Number two, saints are worthy to judge. He exposits that in verses 2 and 3. God has made saints, because of the standard that we have, worthy to judge. Do I know everything about what verses 2 and 3 mean? No, I could take some commentaries and talk about what I think they mean, but I do know that verses 2 and 3 say that, that Christians are qualified to judge the world, and I can see that very simply. Because we can look around the world around us and we can know what is right and what is wrong in our communities based on the fact that we have an ultimate standard of truth that we can apply to what's going on in the world around us. Sometimes we call that a biblical worldview. But what I'm saying is because of the standard, the law that we have in Christ, well, we can look out in the world and we can know what's right and what is wrong without going to the Supreme Court and seeing what they said about it. They said the wrong thing in 1973 about abortion. And I know that because I have a standard that's higher than the standard of men. So Christians are judges of the world. We are worthy to judge. Number three, there should be wise people in your congregation. I mean, he says this speaking to their shame, he says. He says, I speak this to your shame. Surely, he says in verse 5, you have someone who is wise enough because of your the influence of the Word of God among you to judge matters among the family of God. Surely, you have wise people in your congregations. Number four, there is an alternative. Even if there is not someone wise enough to make the right judgment, and even if the wrong judgment is made, there's an alternative to going before the world with your dirty laundry. He says that in verse 7. 
there's a fault among you because you're going to law one with another. Why don't you rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? I'm telling you, I know of Christians who have suffered fraud at the hands of other people who claim to be Christians because they would not violate this principle and take the dirty laundry of the church before the world so that the church would suffer loss as a result. While I'd rather take personal harm at the hands of brethren than to take a matter before a court of law, I just cannot even imagine sitting there and letting the world see two Christians going to court against one another in our legal system before the world. Why, what reproach we bring upon the church when we go to court against one another. And that is certainly in these verses in 1 Corinthians 6. It certainly prohibits Christians from taking one another to court. And that is the last reason, number five. It is wrong. It is just wrong. At no, Verse 8, you do wrong. You do wrong. It's wrong to defraud one another, and it's wrong to take that sin and set it in front of the world so that the world can add disrepute to the kingdom of God on this earth. How antithetical is that to our purpose? You know, sometimes we get more agitated about the loss of some personal effect, some money, a house, some property. We get agitated about that to the point where we are willing to risk the souls of those people outside the kingdom in order to gain our temporal win, our temporal effect. Telling you what's most important in this life is souls in heaven. And when I put souls as my first priority, then I'm going to be willing to take the loss in my material effects rather than to set before the world an example of brother against brother. Who wants a part of that Christianity? Not those people in that courtroom. They're saying, why those are supposed to be Christians and they can't even get along with one another. I don't want a part of that. In our last lesson, dig a bit, we talked about rumors, slander, and some principles that are going to legislate whether or not we pass along negative information about our brethren. And at the bottom line of that, we said, is it going to help someone go to heaven? Now we're talking about passing along negative information or suing one another in a court of law before the world. The bottom line is the same. What is going to help the kingdom of God? What is going to ultimately help it succeed? What is going to ultimately help souls go to heaven? It's interesting that we can look at that principle of the eternal versus the temporal, and we can make judgments about both slander and about lawsuits in court. It just makes sense. We can do that. But not only did God give us the good common sense to determine that if we really are about heaven, but He gave us strict prohibitions in His Word. 
against gossiping and against taking a brother to court. I love the finality of verses 7 and 8. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you're going to law one with another. Why don't you just take the wrong? Why don't you just suffer yourselves to be defrauded? No, you are doing wrong and you are defrauding and that your brethren. When we take our brethren to law, we are defrauding the good name of our own family, but we are defrauding the kingdom that Jesus Christ shed his blood for. We are defaming that precious body for which Jesus died. Thank you. I hope you have a great day.